you know what. What's going on, Andy? How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Kevin? I am super pumped that you're here. So this podcast I'm trying to do, it's called Angry Pandas. This is supposed to, it's supposed to show us from the inside out because a lot of people see us for, you know, they have assumptions. So more than anything, I just want to share and maybe reflect and maybe let them know, hey, we're people too. You know, you don't need to punch us in the face. It's That's not going to solve anything. Um, the way I like to start is I like to go like, how Asian are you? Like on a certain level, like for me, the level of Asian I am, I still don't look my parents in the eyes when I talk Ooh. to them. That's the level of Asian I am. What about oh, you, Andy? That's interesting. I, I would say the level of Asian I am is if anyone asked me, what do you want to eat tonight? It usually gravitates towards like some kind of Asian noodle dish or sushi. <laughs> wow. Is there a go-to? Um, my go-to, yeah. My go-to would be uh, usually Viet. Mm-hmm. Like pho. Yeah. I think that's my go-to. And then it's like followed by like sushi. <laughs> It's my weird. typical Friday nights, I, I, I when I was um, when I had my own place living by myself, it would be Dateline. I'd watch Dateline on NBC, <laughs> and it would be uh, chicken chow mein and soup, any kind of soup. That was my go-to, the, the soup and noodle com- combo. And I've gravitated okay. towards uh, chicken or no beef chow fun. I do that too, but it's always a noodle type and soup. And that's yeah. That's, it's been a renaissance. I've kind of come back to that. Um, so since, you know, COVID hit and we had a lot of lockdown, we just stay home and just, what do you want for dinner? I was like, Chinese. What do you want? <laughs> the usual, just some sort of noodle and soup. Yeah, it's, it's comfort food in a way. But I feel you on that, especially the soup part. Well, this is how I usually end the podcast, which is there a comfort <laughs> food that you would like to highlight that you absolutely love? Like for me, um i'm gonna go with sesame balls that's a must and everything that i order if i do dim sum that's always on the menu there's something about something like the crust just carrying it crunch and like when you bite into it and you get that goo in the middle you're like whoa what is this this is amazing then you have the sesame on top which when it gets stuck in your mouth and you start tonguing it afterwards that's like the after flavor you know what i mean like that's Uh, yeah that's the one thing that I still love that I still think about. And you come with three, like three is like the good amount. Like if you have one, you're like, wow, that's amazing. I need a second one. You have the second one and you're like, okay, maybe I could do one more. That's it. Three is the perfect number. So I like that. You got it down to like a science. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Is there a comfort food that you like to highlight? Oh yeah. I, I like uh or, you know, some people like kofa. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know which one's the correct way because I'm born here in Canada, but my yeah. mom's from Vietnam. She's Chinese from Vietnam. Wow. So I don't know if her pronunciation's like a Chinese accent of Vietnamese or if she's like a self side or something. But yeah. yeah, that's my comfort food. Is there uh, a go to like beef ball noodle or um, is like um, flank or anything that you go with? Ooh, yeah. Uh, usually the flank, but I would say anywhere you go, usually you can just get house special and you're like good to go. Oh, okay. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, that's interesting. I had no idea that you're part Vietnam and, and Chinese. Is there one that you identify more with? Uh, I think culturally Chinese is that my mom's like Chinese from Vietnam. Oh, and my, okay. My okay, dad's okay. from Hong Kong. Okay. So more heavily like Chinese influence, but the cuisine wise, I would, I would float towards the Vietnamese. That is such an interesting dynamic because uh, I've always wondered about that too, because my mom grew up in Hong Kong and my dad grew up in the Bahamas. 
So it's, it's very interesting in my house too, because I don't feel like my dad connects as much. Um, but my mom is more connected, but my dad makes up shit. Like there's stuff that happens. (laughs) He makes, I I swear to God, he makes it up. Like, um, when my brother uh, was going to get married, uh, he told me that, you know, my brother's going to get, he's going to get married. Um, and that they're going to, he's going to pay, they're going to pay and the in-laws are going to pay. Then he goes, I want you to pitch in. And for some reason, like he thought like, and he goes, that's something that you do. And I was like, wait a minute, that's not a thing. Because the more I talk about it, it's not a thing. Why should an older brother pay for somebody else's wedding? You know, like, I'm not really <laughs> part of it. But I knew he made that, that shit up or, you know, like other things. It's just like, you're making the shit up. Like, I know you are. I can Google <laughs> it now. Like, I have Google now. I can figure out if you're making up shit. So yeah. is it a little bit like that with you too? Like, you wonder if your parents are making up stuff? Or do you feel like that they're pretty, pretty in sync? Yeah, that, that's been a thought that's come up to me like lately. So I just turned 30. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these things I, I used to think were normal or like actually a thing. Like now as I, I'm living with my partner and everything and I tell her, oh, we got to do this. She's like, why? Yes. <laughs> it's, it's a thing, isn't it? And she'd be like, no, it, dude, it's not. That's not real. Then we like, like you, we Google it. I'm like, is this just a thing that's like in our family or is this just not like an English Google? <laughs> yeah. What is it? So how did you guys end up in, in Canada? Uh, so my mom's side ended up here because they were refugees. Okay. And they, they had like one of those crazy refugee stories. She was part of the boat people. Mm-hmm. And how it happened was they just got on a boat and they don't know which direction they go. They just pick away and they just keep going. Wah! And they just pray for the best. And they hit a Canadian oil derrick by the grace of God or something in the middle of the ocean. And that's how they ended up in Canada. So they obviously went up the Atlantic uh maybe i i have no idea i don't think they have any idea which way they went to be honest wow do you know how weird it would have been if you ended up in a place like texas or like louisiana or <laughs> you know what i mean like that would have been so weird if you if you end up in a different place you would have been you would have been not andy <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I would have been american <laughs> yeah wow it would have been yeah. picked on and all that i mean i think so my other question is was it like being asian in canada do you feel That's- like it's 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 because I know Vancouver and BC is very well um, like every it's, it's pretty much their culture like they're accepted like it's you know who they are. Is Toronto kind of the same way or not really? Ah uh, yeah, I, I think so. Parts of Toronto and I think like it's kind of like parts of Vancouver too in BC. Like there's there's mm-hmm. neighborhoods or, or regions I think you would say like you know like what do you call it? like Brooklyn's like a sub yes a borough like, yeah borough yeah there there be boroughs that are like more ethnic focus mm-hmm. so i think in toronto the the most like asian chinese uh ethnic centric borough would be uh, markham okay that's ours but i grew up in south scarborough where it was predominantly uh filipinos sri lankans and like wow. a hint of italian so okay. it's interesting so it is very multicultural as a city but like each part of the city has their like majority ethnicity mm-hmm. uh that you know and, and it makes sense right because there's a sense of community and everything so i surprisingly even as an asian grew up as a minority asian in South scarborough because mostly yeah. everyone else is filipino uh so i got a little shit for that but <laughs> it's interesting wow so my my buddy in uh vancouver he admitted to me recently that he doesn't have any white friends <laughs> is that the same way with you or do you feel like that you've got like a nice nice um eclectic group of friends you know, in reflection, 
I can sympathize. <laughs> Because, yeah, it's, <laughs> even though we grew up in this, like, multicultural, like, city, we do gravitate towards our own communities. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, like, what, like, ethnicity is one of the big ones. Actually, predominantly, most of my friends are actually Asian. <laughs> okay. Now, can I ask, how did you gravitate? It was, it felt, did it feel like a connection? Like, you go, these are my people. Or, like, was there something you guys bonded over and you said, yes, I finally get this? Or do you feel like that you both went through some sort of hardship and you guys bonded because of that? You're like, okay, now we're together. Oh, that's a good question. Like, honestly, I think, like, especially in my formative years, like, I I think with most folks, right, like, high school is very formative. Uh, I gravitated towards, um, it it was a little bit of that, like, shared hardship, a a bit to do with, like, shared language communication. So, like, Cantonese. Right. So yeah. there's like certain words, right, in Cantonese where you, you can express yourself a little bit easier, whereas like in English, it doesn't fully translate. Right. Uh, th- those really helped. And I think like because the sense of community is like, oh, you know, we're we're all Cantonese. We, we're Cantonese speakers. We, we, we're very friendly with each other. We share lunches. And I think our social our social hangouts um, made a bit more sense to us, like karaoke, where it's like a closed room. That's kind of how we, that, but that's not like a predominantly like a Western thing to do, right? That Western thing right. I think is more like, let's go out to a pub. Whereas right. like, we'd be like, let's go karaoke. <laughs> where we put like wine and mix it with Sprite, which is like, I, I would tell like some of my other, like more Western friends, mm-hmm. they're like, what? you mix wine with Sprite? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, it's great. And they're like, it's, it's not like a sin of some yeah. sort of wine, <laughs> like, I guess. So I had a moment last week. I don't know if you had the same thing. Um, I I bought a pack of seaweed. It's something I'm going through, like these packets that you get. And I was like, man, these are so delicious. I'm going to, you know what? I'm actually going to be proud of this. Like I need to own this. So I'm going to, as I go through work, I'm actually going to, it didn't fit in my backpack. So it'll stick it out just enough because you get the plus two free one. So that's kind of like oh, why no. <laughs> it was sticking out. And I said, I'm going to own this. If they ask me questions, I'm going to go at seaweed. I actually enjoy this. So I don't have no shame with it. Then I saw a coworker that I admire and I was like, oh, he's going to bag me. And then I just kind of pushed it back down. Into the, so I had a little bit of shame, a little bit of like, I do I have to explain to you? Like, I like this stuff. You might think it's nasty, but you know what? It's dried. And um, I think where I work, it's there's people like I've heard a comment from a coworker um talk about sushi is like i'm never gonna eat anything that's not cooked like that's the kind of mindset they have and i was like well guess what ice cream's not cooked either are you not gonna eat ice cream you know what i mean so it's it's just like they have that backwardness to them that they haven't really fully accepted so do you what do you have a moment like that with the asian culture that you feel like um that you um how am i saying it right see you you talked about um i don't know what i'm saying (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I think I know what you're saying. I, I get that moment a lot, maybe not with snacks per se. I think mm-hmm. in, in Toronto, at least the, the circles I run in, folks are really hyped about snacks. <laughs> so, yeah. Snacks is a cool thing. But like when it comes to like meals, like um, organ-based meals. Yes. So like, I, uh, I'm, so in Vietnamese, you get um, the tripe mm. in, the, in the soup. And even with a lot of Cantonese dishes, there's like organ-based meals or like chicken liver, chicken heart and stuff, right? Or even like chicken feet, I, I think is a norm and dim sum for us but when we you know tell that to other yes. things, they're like why would you eat chicken heart that's gross or like oh i don't want stomach i'm like well you're eating every other part of it it's not like 
It's, it's all coming from the same animal. <laughs> what do you think what, what's your take on chicken feet? Do you feel like there's too much work for such little little reward, or do you feel like it's part of the the the, the um the process of like working hard for for just the skin and like the flavor of it? I I, I lean towards the latter, and I feel that way with crab. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Right. It's like that. So it's it's interesting because when when we eat crab, like in like a Cantonese dish, right? Mm-hmm. You get the shell. Mm-hmm. You, you get everything. You just you get just the go eyeballs. Ahead. Yeah. What <laughs> <laughs> if you want? That's your thing. Yeah. But like, usually, like if you go to like a, a Western place to get crab legs, right? They just give you the crab leg. Mm-hmm. It's easy. You snap it and you just get that like leg piece out. Whereas, like, where's the top of the leg? Where's the where's the shell and stuff, right? <laughs> and the goo. Like I had some friends who were like, oh, I don't know what the word is in like English, but you know, in Canada, it's the go mm-hmm. side. Yeah, like that's something I really enjoy, but like not a lot of other folks is what I realized enjoy that. So yeah, I, I definitely feel you on like the cuisine aspect of things. Yeah. Where you're like, you you really enjoy it. You know that your the folks around you enjoy it, but like to share that with like another cultural background is like a very hard bridge for some people. Yeah. Okay, so do you have a gripe, a myth, or something that we should discuss? Like we can smash together, maybe share. Yeah, I was I was thinking about this, and I think one of the ones that I think is a little bit finicky, and and stay with me, I'll, I'll try to explain it. Is uh, the the myth that a lot like Asians are very good at school? <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and so that the, that one bothers me because I wasn't great at everything i was good at some stuff surprisingly english <laughs> but yeah i wasn't great at all subjects but i think there's a there's such a high expectation right there's not at, at some point i remember when i was like especially like in my last years of high school because i had transferred a bit so i transferred into school as the only chinese person and because i had glasses and i i looked the way i do I think folks had really high expectations of me, which was was interesting because when I would submit my homework, like I had a group of uh, smart friends mm-hmm. and we would compare notes before we all submitted. I know their work was better than mine. <laughs> yeah. But I would get equivalent or a bit better of a grade. So I had like that stereotype working in my favor as the teachers graded my work because I think they're like, oh, yeah, this is good because it's coming from them. I wrote it. I read it. It's not, you know? I mean, it worked in favor. And I think it's that expectation, right? It's it's that I, I think the expectation also pushes us in that direction, which is arguably good or bad, but it, it really makes our sense of self-worth tied around that one thing. Yes. Which is like, and this is something I experience and I see a lot of my friends, and like even my family members, like I have a lot of extended um, family. When we get the academic part taken away from you, Right, especially when you graduate from your undergraduate college degree or even you know your high school degree and then you, you enter into some kind of workforce environment you you lose that sense of self-worth from ac- academia and you're just yeah. like so so what now and then there's like a lot of existential crisis that happens i think with i i had it a lot of my friends had it and you're That's like what did I measure myself against? <laughs> it's like being a like a, a high school or a, a woman athlete, you know, like softball or basketball. And you start go from high school, then you get recruited to college and they, 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 they finish in college. And like, what's next? Like, there's nothing like they peak at softball. There's no like leagues that they they have elevate to. They just stuck at, at the college level. They're like, oh, that's just the end. I'm a yeah. senior and I'm over. It's over. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, 
you know, awesome for the folks that go on to get masters and PhDs, but I, I do not have the academic fortitude for that. Do you think that's an advantage or do you feel like it's a disadvantage or do you feel like um, this is something that you feel like it's uh, that you want to just get rid of the stereotype? I, I think, I think if, I mean, ideally, if, if it wasn't there, I think things would be a bit easier because at least that motivation. And I, I think that maybe motivation is not the correct word, but what pushes and drives you, well, at least come from a better place. And that's something that I've tried to reflect on a bit more recently mm-hmm. is, you know, I, so I've recently tried to go through therapy and, and, you know, trying to work out my kinks and stuff. But what I realized is I, I think that what motivates you um, may not necessarily be a good thing, even though that's what motivates you. Like, I think what motivates you also matters like where it comes from right not just so before i was very like results driven thinking where it's like it doesn't matter you got to push yourself whatever pushes yourself to get to a better place that's that's ultimately good was how i used to think but now the more i think about it more i realize as an adult especially going to my 30s is like you want to have that coming from a healthy place because if it's not coming from a good or healthy place then it's it's ultimately going to result in toxic the toxicity in other areas of life even though that one metric of of success or whatever better results is, whether that be, you know, grades, salary, whatever it may be, might look good. Other parts of your life start to like, start to show cracks and stuff. And then yeah. is that yeah. your parents or is that you? To, to be honest, I had really chill parents. <laughs> okay. Okay. So it's mostly you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. My, my parents knew what they were working with. Like, when I was growing up, it's, it's interesting because, you know, a lot of parents, uh, like even my cousins, right. They, they had a lot of high pressure. But my parents are like, he's not a smart one. <laughs> what, do you, what do you get that drive? What do you get that that motivation to want to excel and, and rise above the competition? Video games? <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. It's, it's so I, I would say yes to video games because there's, there's a inherent sense of progression that's usually yes. built into video games, right? I think I get a, like a little bit of high on those. Um, and I, I think video games especially has driven me to a mindset of like constant improvement mm-hmm. which i i don't know if this is like a very heavy like cantonese um mindset if, if you know like the the famous wong fei hong song mm-hmm. one of our folk heroes uh one of those songs like the direct translation is uh every day <laughs> man must improve <laughs> or oh, self-improve wow. right I, it sounds cooler in cantonese yeah <laughs> Oh, that sounded pretty cool. Did that kind of hit me? I was like, "Wow, that's you know, like you need to get better every day." Yeah. So, like in Canada, it's like "buitin yujika." Yeah, but um, that that's something that really drives me, and like, especially when I now, you know, as a full adult, I like to think I'm a full adult. <laughs> when you know, when, when friends and stuff, when when they're like, you know, venting about their life, and like, you know, you, you want to be a good friend, and you hear it. But then you're like, okay, so what are you doing about it? And they're like, well, I can't because of A, B, C, D, and ah, it's gonna be so hard. And, and then you think about it, like, no, those aren't those aren't reasons. Those, you know, you should do what you can, and yeah. then at least do what you can. If you're doing nothing, then things aren't gonna change. So yeah. I, I think that's something that really drives me is like the, the fear of uh, being stagnant and fear of not improving. Growing, I think, yeah, growing. Because I, I think that's one of those like values I, I hold really close, at least to my heart. It's like the attempt and the growth that comes from it. 
and it, wow. trying to improve, but trying to make sure that comes to a good place now. <laughs> the other thing that you brought up that I don't feel like a, a, a lot of Asians address is mental health. I, I, mm. I, I don't like, I don't know anybody that says, you know, that this guy might be bipolar or I feel like this person might be suffering from depression. Like there's none of that. There's just a very blank state. Yet I do know a hundred percent that uh, not just Asians, but minorities, a lot of minorities don't even address it. They just kind of sweep under the rug and go, Oh, that's just uncle Joe just being weird, you know, but they don't ever figure out why uncle Joe became uncle Joe, the the weird guy. Yeah. That's, that's a really good point. And that's honestly something as, yeah, like uh, now with, with work in Canada, at least usually work benefits cover like a few th- therapy sessions uh-huh. until recently, most folks I knew, my f- close friends, other circles included, no one took advantage of it because the moment you tell someone that you're uh-huh. like, Oh, I'm going through therapy. They're like, Oh no, what's wrong? Something must be deadly wrong. Yeah. Or like, Oh no, there's something fundamentally broken about you. I think that's at least I want to say, like, even for myself, five years ago, if someone told me that, that would be my automatic mental reaction. How did you make that jump and say, I am going to, I feel like I want to go see a therapist? I, I think it came from trying to be a bit more open-minded. Because I think one good thing these last few years have really pushed is, like, it. Really, I think it's really challenged the way societies really held some beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um and the, the more I kind of reflect and try to be a bit more progressive, I, and there's a bit in a big movement, at least I, I think in Canada on like trying to be a bit more open on mental health, which has been great. Uh, and as I tried to think about that, and as some, some close family members are like, Hey, you know, you act like a, a big kid when certain things <laughs> happen around you. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't know how to, like, I literally do not know how else to act. <laughs> In the moment. Hey, uh, dude, that's you. I feel like it, if that's you, you need to own it. You need to own the seaweed in the backpack. Don't smash <laughs> yes. it down. You know, it's at some point you need to. At, what's wrong with being a kid? There's that inner joy that I feel like a lot of adults lose. When they lose it, you just become that curmudgeon. You're like, all right, I'm, you know, I'm my uncle or my my grandfather, somebody that's just older that loses joy. I, I think that's what we have. I think the moment. If you keep going to Disneyland, you're going to feel young. That's kind of my point. You know, like you need to have that inner child that just stays pure. I think that's who we are. Like you look at puppies. Puppies are so pure. And at some point, they just become that angry dog. So I like that way of thinking. <laughs> keep the inner child yeah, alive. Yeah, I'm trying to make you feel better. Like, you know, in a sense. That oh, it's you working. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to act at age that you feel like it's what 30-year-olds should act like, you know. Ooh, please, please tell my partner that. <laughs> well what does she expect can i ask a yeah 30 year old so i i so as, as you know because now we're living together and stuff mm-hmm. we just got a place together um as we like handle difficult conversations and conflicts mm-hmm. like there's like a level of maturity she expects me to bring very understandably so oh <laughs> oh okay okay and okay. whereas like when in those situations it's bad to be a kid <laughs> right like, yes yes I'm just like on the edge of throwing a tantrum and I'm just like, mm, no, I'm just being like a sulky kid. But yeah. she's like, dude, can you not? <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> Everything in my body is telling me to do this. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Try to better myself in those respects. So what's it like being in a relationship? Do you feel like that it's um, your parents come out in you in these mm. relationships? Or do you feel like 
that you've um, kind of learned things? You're like, okay, maybe I shouldn't do this because my mom did this. Yeah, that comes out a lot now. And I, I see it a lot more too. And I think that's what's interesting is it's made me have a lot more sympathy is what I realized for my parents, actually. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I used to have a, quite a bit of resentment on how certain ways it would treat me. But now in hindsight, I look back because now I'm exemplifying those behaviors and everything. Not that I'm blaming them, but I, yeah. I'm like, okay, I see where this is coming from. Because where it's coming from me was, was from them. And that yeah. means if, it, you know, whatever happened to them, show them to that. So they're, they're just, they're just people trying to do the best they can. And, and I recognize that. And I'm like, eh, mom, dad, I don't blame you now. <laughs> it's like, yeah. You tried. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Do you, have, do you have that too? Um, yeah, it's, it's really sad sometimes because I, I know that my, I'm first generation in America. <laughs> so it was, I knew the struggles they went through because they would, they would say like, they, you know, um, my mom came over for school and uh, she didn't know what a nickel was. Like somebody asked for a nickel or something and um, she had to look it up in a dictionary. So that was hard for her. Um, they, she went to school in Indiana, which is really white. It's like mm. racist white. It's like the start of KKK came from Indiana and um, a little girl pointed at her and said, she's dirty because she oh. just wasn't, you know, like white, you know? So like little things like that. And I've wondered like how much progression, but the thing is, it's like, it still kind of happens because I get stuff like that today too. You know, it's like 2022 and it still happens to me. Shit. And I, I wonder like how, like, is there a way to just break away from all that? But, you know, in a sense, like I got it now because now I get that what my parents went through and maybe they didn't know how to handle it because I still don't know how to handle it. I don't know how to like, if I, do I laugh it off or do I, um, maybe like make a point so that they kind of understand like that they have empathy, like, Oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Or it's just always a little bit weird. That's, that's a really, yeah, man, that, that's tough. I'm just sorry. You have to go through that too. I think it's a Bay area too, right? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's, I think that's anything. I think that's anywhere. The, the one thing that I've always hated is when people would ask me like, what's your background? I never answer. I never, because it's mm-hmm. the, whatever they say afterwards is always the most, like it doesn't make any sense like why why'd you bring it up like, oh yeah 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 i've been to china once i was like i didn't say i was from china you know like it was just <laughs> you know it's just like this weird thing it's just i don't know it's just i know that that they're trying to connect in a way but i feel like it's got to be better than through race you know yeah so. i feel on that and i, and I, I don't know if you want to tackle this but like i've been having a lot of thoughts about accents yes i, I know yeah, so I know there's there, now there's a lot of folks in the media who are like, oh, I don't want to do any like actors and actors, like I don't want to do any roles with accents and stuff. And for a long time, I understood that. And then Jimmy O Yang, um, you know, the guy from Silicon Valley, and then now mm-hmm. the famous stand-up comedian, uh, he went on an interview and he said, well, that's literally how I sounded when I came from Hong Kong. Like for him, he's like, I'm trying to represent uh, how. I was yeah. when I was new to America. And I was like, yeah, for him, it's, it's, it's more of a, like a point of like relevance. As long as it's, I feel like as long as the accent's not the joke or a joke and you just try to be like relatable to that community that I understand now. Cause one thing that I sometimes breaks my heart with my family, right. Is especially my mom's side, they'll mm-hmm. correct each other's accents or the way they say words a yeah. lot. And they take it very seriously for some reason. Like, 
even for like, so I'm like a native English speaker. For me, I, I totally understand what they're saying, right? They, they might be like, oh, how do you say like, um, I don't know, like, is it speaker or speaker? I'm like, yeah. speaker, speaker. <laughs> to me, I'm like, it, it doesn't matter. I, I get it. Hey. If you go into electronic store, you ask for speakers, they get it. They're like, but no, no, no. You know, you have to say it right. And I'm like, you, you say it to be understood. You don't have to say yeah. it to be according to some weird phonetic police thing, right? I, I feel a little bit weird when I um, when I see other people do the Asian accent. I feel a little mm. bit different, even though if it's not even meant to be a joke. I feel like I just feel like oh maybe we shouldn't go there because I don't know if it's a negative connotation it has from the past that you know when people just do it you're like oh they're just doing it because they're doing it but at the same time like I make fun of other people too like when I hear an accent like a Russian accent I'm still doing it and you know and if it gets a laugh I'm keeping it so it makes me wonder like should I be doing that too because that could be a low hanging like it's too easy for me you know but um same time like as a comic if you hear laughter you go i got something yeah that's i think that's a good point but i also i would say also it's like as long as the accent's not the joke i think if it like supplements a context i think that's fine if the accent's the joke then that's when i think it's like kind of weird territory yeah that's a very good point yeah, but yeah, that's that's something that that's that's been brewing in my head too because like all like you know my I have a lot of extended family aunts and uncles apart from you know my own like parents they they all have accents but they're all understandable right they're all passable in in terms of their writing and speaking like sometimes even from my parents they'd be like hey can you edit this email and I'm just <laughs> ranting you know what I mean <laughs> I mean I'm gonna, it's a little bit annoying but like, I read it and I'm like. I got it right i get yeah. what you're saying and they're like ah you know trying to make it grammatically correct i'm like dude this is literally an instant message to your friends <laughs> they're they're your friends <laughs> like come on right like they speak like this too they're getting which means they're getting their kids to edit their messages yeah because <laughs> like i've seen their friends they don't mm-hmm. talk like that <laughs> so like, everyone's getting their kids to like edit their messages before studying i'm like I don't think we have to live in a world where you have to think, like worry about how other people judge how grammatically correct you are, as long as you're understood. That's at least right. <laughs> you know, Why do you I think they from. do that? Do you, do you feel like that they do that because they want to be presented like in a better light? Or do you feel like that they just don't want to be laughed at for saying something wrong? Or do you feel like it's, um, it's just the thing that they've always done? That's a good question. I think a lot of it is like, a lot I, I think the generation maybe like us you know the, the first immigration mm-hmm. or, or refugee generation um i they tried really hard like my parents and and you know my mom's side dad's side all of them tried very hard to learn like the local ways yeah and i think one way to push themselves to be better at it was just like police each other mm. and maybe it's a little I, and and now i'm just like straight you know oh that yeah, that sounds good to me <laughs> it yeah. makes sense it makes sense and I, I think part of it is because like that's kind of how other folks have policed them, so they feel like that's how they should do. And it's like maybe a little bit of um projecting on their end because like mm-hmm. that's how local people had corrected them, so now they correct each other that way. And now they're they're scared of how their own community judges them because that's how other communities judge them. Um, at least that's how I've seen from what I've witnessed. That that's what I got from it. I yeah. think that's where it's coming from. Because like. 
I'm Cantonese speak at home, but like it's very rough. Like I can get away in a restaurant, but that's <laughs> that's about yeah. it. But I, I'm never worried when I speak Cantonese the way they are when they're speaking English, right? Like yeah. even if I was visiting Hong Kong or any kind of Cantonese speaking part of China, I wouldn't be embarrassed about my Cantonese. I think mm. as much. I just want to get my point across. Right. And if you get it, you get it. If you don't get it, I'm switching back to English. <laughs> I think that's all the time we got. Uh, I'll stop this. But thank you, thank you for for doing this.